The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bud Baker, your live radio announcer. And today, with me as always, the wonderful and talented prompters. Throughout today's presentation, they'll be raising cards. Those cards are your cue to participate. Remember, as members of a live studio audience, you help convey the mood of this performance to our radio listeners. I know I can count on you. So now, let's get this show started. Oh, no cartwheels. WMPCC presents Against the Storm. Last week, we left Will and Betty Reed just moments after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Will headed to the battlefield, while Betty, newly pregnant, headed stateside. We pick up their story two years later. The year is 1943. And we find Betty at home with her parents and sister Margie, preparing for Christmas and eagerly awaiting the return of her husband from the battlefield. Betty, dear, can you please tell me where in the world your hand mixer is? I promised your father I'd make a cake to celebrate his retirement, and I'm running just a wee bit behind. And you know how he hates waiting. Uh, it's in the top left cupboard over the sink, Mom. Oh, interesting. That's not where I would put it, but it's your kitchen, dear. <laughs> Margie, when did the chimney sweeps say they would be here? I would love to get a fire going. They should be here any minute. Marjorie, dear, are you feeling okay? I'm fine. You look tired. <laughs> I'm not tired at all, Mom. You may say you're not tired, but your eyes tell a different story. Don't worry, I've got just the thing, Maybelline Magic Mascara, with its new spiral application brush. It'll fix you up in a jiffy. Marjorie, you've got tired eyes. Your mama says you're looking pale and lean. Yes, our spiral brush really curves. Used by all the fashionable girls. So give your face to Maybelline. Maybelline Magic Mascara. So soft, so flattering, so natural looking. Available at your local Rexall drugstore. Mary Lou, is that cake ready yet? Not yet, dear. How long can it take? I'm tired of waiting. Not long, sweetheart. I'll get it. You're of a clean chimney. Sweet Betty called to tell us Now it's clogged and it's smoky. Your lungs <coughs> feel kind of choky. For 
Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Frank. And I'm Murray. We're also known as the Three Wise Guys. For chimneys, that is. What a delightful trio. Thank you. Betty, the chimney sweeps are here. Please, come in. Thanks. You've got a lovely home here. And it would be even lovelier with a fire. I couldn't agree more. Uh, but the chimney's clogged and we haven't been able to make a fire since last winter. When can you get started? Just as soon as you look over these papers and sign right here at the bottom. Unless this lovely young lady right here would like to sign on your behalf. Well, aren't you a charmer? That won't be necessary. Say, ma'am, who am I telling me your name? It's Margie. Well, it's real swell to meet you, Margie. Has anyone ever told you your eyes are as beautiful as a California sunset? <laughs> All signed. Uh, please, go ahead and get started. Sure thing. Won't be but an hour, and you'll be right at range. Come on, boys. Let's get to work. It was nice to meet you, Murray. <laughs> the pleasure's all mine. Say, will you be here tonight when we're through? I think that can be arranged. Well, until then. Uh, Margie, can you please come back in the kitchen and start on these dishes? And try not to flirt for five minutes. Yeah, but he was kind of dreamy, don't you think? Honey, stop dreaming and start scrubbing. Margie, dear, be an angel and help me with this cake for your father. Mom, those pans can wait, dear. Your father's been waiting for this cake all day. I know you don't understand what it's like to wait for something like that, but trust me, dear, you'll understand someday. Mom, if anybody knows what it's like to wait, I think it's me. I haven't seen Will since Pearl Harbor, and that was two years ago. Aww. And, and Bo has never met him. Aww. And I don't know when or if I'll see him again. I'll get it. Oh, no, you won't. Hello? Betty. Betty, can you hear me? Oh, yes, Will. I can hear you just fine. Oh, swell, Betty. It's so good to hear your voice. Uh, how are things going? Uh, do you have the tree up yet? Any plans to see your family? <laughs> oh, yes. We put the tree up two weeks ago with my folks. In fact, they're here right now. Uh, they were there the last time we talked, uh, weren't they? <laughs> yes, they do like to uh, visit. But enough about my parents. How are you? I'm doing all right, all things considered. Better than a lot of other guys, that's for sure. It's just... What is it? Well, it's nothing really. It's just... I get frustrated sometimes uh, because I feel like I have to wait for everything. Uh, like my orders. I have no idea where I'll be headed or when, but I have to be ready at a moment's notice. Or, or the phone. Uh, there must have been 25 other guys waiting to use the phone to call their girl or their mom or their dog. Um, one guy even wanted to talk to his pet goldfish. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who's getting a little impatient. And I still don't know if they'll let me come home for Christmas. I put in my request ages ago, but I still haven't heard. I just want this whole thing to be over so I can finally come home. I can't wait to hold you in my arms. Aww. To tuck Bo in at night. 
to sleep in a warm bed. And finally, to use an indoor toilet again. <laughs> Mealtimes are the worst, because all I can think of is a home-cooked meal and not by your mother. And a nice warm fire, just me, you and Bo, spending time together. How is Bo doing? Oh, he's good. Such a sweet little boy. I'm trying to get him potty trained, but he thinks he's a sprinkler. <laughs> Just yesterday, I caught him spraying the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, Betty, I miss you both so much. Whenever I find myself sitting for long periods, whether in a bunker or a barrack or a line for the phone, I remember Hawaii and our first few weeks together. The warm breezes, the hula dancing, the Mai Tais on the beach, and I can hardly wait. We'll have that again, Betty. I promise. Oh, well, I can't wait for you to finally be home. I'm gonna make you the best dinner ever. That sounds great. You wouldn't believe the stuff that they... Will? What's going on? Is everything all right? I don't know. Something's happening. I have to go, Betty. Tell Bo! Will! Are you there? Will! Will! I love you. Uh, excuse me, Mrs. Reed. I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that your fireplace will be in perfect working order. The bad news is that it won't be today. So you're telling me I need to wait? Yes, ma'am. I should be getting used to that by now. Once again, Betty Reed is left waiting, wondering when her husband will finally come home. Tune in next week for the final episode of Against the Storm. <laughs> This morning, we're talking about waiting, waiting. Kids are not really good at waiting. I mean, kids kind of have this natural thing of, I want it, and I want it now. I mean, how many times have we as parents have had uh, little ones uh, tugging on our leg? And so I, I remember multiple times, you know, being in conversations in the lobby, and my kids will run around, and I'm having a deep conversation, and a little little hand will be pulling on my leg, Daddy, 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 because there's something super urgent, and then, and then it'll be, Hi. Uh, you know, or uh, daddy, 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 what's for lunch? Or daddy, daddy, why do you have chocolate all over your pants? <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so it's just this, this, this thing. Uh, uh, now I want to share a, um, an experiment about the patience of kids and their ability to wait for something. Uh, it's on a video. Check this out. Okay, so that's your... All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. I'm gonna go do something, and then I'll come back. It's yummy, yummy. 
Come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give me another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. My favorite is the uh, little uh, redhead sweetheart who, uh, while the instructions were given, she's going, she's going, yeah, I don't care. I don't care whatever game you're playing. I'm going to eat the marshmallow. I mean, I just love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Kids don't like to wait. The reality, of course, is you and I don't like to wait. Thank you. See what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's unpleasant. It's awkward. I mean, we don't like, there's a few seconds here. There's usually, I mean, we, we just, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait in traffic. I mean, how many, how many people enjoy uh, getting slowed down by traffic? We don't like to wait. What's the deal with Amazon? Two days? It takes two days for you to get this to me? It's ridiculous. Uh, we don't like to wait in, uh, in line when we're doing our Christmas shopping. Uh, uh, how many of you get as frustrated with me when... You're in the store, and there's, uh, there's a line that you're in, and you count that you're number 50, and there's two registers open, and there's six that are available, and it seems like there are other employees who are walking around and doing nothing, and they need to get on that register and open up three and four to get this thing moving. If I was the manager of this place, things would be moving a little bit more. You know what I mean? You ever have that, that frustration? We don't like to wait. We don't want to wait until we can afford to buy that car or buy that house. No, 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 no. We don't wait until we can afford it. We wait until the financial institution gives us permission to buy whatever we want. We don't like to wait. I mean, waiting is agony. Waiting is extremely unpleasant. We like starting things. That's very exciting. Let's get started. Oh, good. That's the first day of it. We, go, we like finishing things. Yay, we celebrate. That's a great thing. It's the part in the middle, the work part, the wait part. That, that's the difficult part. That's the life part, that part in the middle. We don't like waiting. Waiting is agony. Waiting is unpleasant. 
Around here at Mountain Park, we have done our share of waiting over the past few years. For many years, we've been waiting for ADOT to make a decision on whether or not they're going to build the freeway. And so are we going to stay here? Do we, do we add space here? Do we find another place to go, etc.? And so we've been waiting on ADOT for that. This year, we uh, lost two of our key staff, two wonderful women who on leadership here at our church who went on to do great things uh, in, in the eastern part of the, of the country. And so we've been waiting to fill those roles with new great people. We've been waiting. We're waiting for the new building to be built. We drive by there and see, and it's exciting to kind of see it develop, but we're waiting. When are they going to get that second floor done? When are they going to get the roof on? When are they going to this, that, and the other thing? When are we going to be able to get in there? We're waiting. We're waiting for people to start the pledge that they committed in February of 2016 to pay for it. <laughs> uh, okay, we're waiting. This, uh, this uh, Christmas on Air today, part two, it was is set in 1943. So part one last week was 1941. It was the introduction of our young couple, and uh, is when Pearl Harbor happened in Christmas of two, of uh, 1941. This week it's Christmas of 1943. Next week will be Christmas of 1945 when the war is over. But right here, right now, in in 1943, there's a whole lot of waiting going on. George is waiting for his cake. Margie, the sister, is waiting to find uh, the man of her dreams. Betty, the wife, is waiting for her husband to come home safely, and her husband, Will, is waiting for the war to be over so that he can be with the ones he loves. There's waiting. There's just waiting all over the place. This Christmas season, what about you? What are you waiting for? What, what, what's on your wait list? Are you waiting to get an appointment with a specialist in order to find out what's going on? Are you waiting because you have had that appointment and you're waiting on results or trying to figure out to get some help in terms of trying to figure out what's happening here? Are you waiting for healing? Are you waiting to graduate? Are you waiting to find out what plan God has for you. Either you're uh, young, you're in high school, and you're trying to figure out, what are my next steps? What college am I going to go to? I'm waiting for clarity from God in terms of what that's going to look like. Are you waiting because you're at a point where you're thinking you want to do a job change, and you're not sure what that's going to look like? Are you waiting to make enough money so that you can blank? Are you waiting so that you can have enough money in reserve so that you can feel secure? Are you waiting for that girl to drop that loser and be available for you? Are you waiting for that guy to stop being a loser and propose? Are you waiting to get pregnant? What are you waiting for this Christmas? Maybe some of you are waiting for freedom, for spiritual or emotional freedom, that you have committed your life to Christ, you have have gotten baptized, you have joined a group, you are meeting with a group of men or a group of women, and you are doing the things that, that are a part of spiritual growth, you're committed to that, you want freedom from that sin in your life, yet that sin still has a hold of you. And you're wondering, where is this new life that Scripture talks about? Where is this new creation that Scripture talks about? And you're waiting for that to happen. 
What are you waiting for this Christmas? I'm talking about it here today, just a week before Christmas, because Christmas, the Christmas story is all about waiting. There's so much waiting that is connected to the Christmas story. The story doesn't even begin until there's a long period of waiting. In the Old Testament, God was very vocal and available and present. God is speaking through hands writing on the walls, through prophets, through donkeys, through many different miraculous ways. God is very present and with people, and, and it's a dynamic group of people that are experiencing God in many different ways. And they're they are kicked out of Jerusalem near the end of the Old Testament story, and then they start to come back. They come back into Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple. They rebuild the walls around the temple, but at that point, Jerusalem, their land, the promised land, the place that God had promised for them, it is under Persian occupation. And so the people of God are waiting under Persian rule. And then the Greeks come over, and the Greeks are in control, and the people of God are waiting. And then the Syrians come in, and they're in control. And then the people of God are waiting, and then the Romans come in. And they take over that whole region. It's the mighty Roman Empire. And the people of God are waiting for 400 years. They're called the silent years. 400 years. For us, in terms of perspective, that's going all the way back to the Mayflower. Bringing the English separatists to come to the new world. That's how far back that is. 400 years, that's a long time of silence. It's a long time of waiting. In one of our beloved Christmas songs, O Holy Night, there's a line that says, Long lay the world in sin and error, pining. Pining for this silence to be over. Pining for God to reappear, to show up, to speak again. And then essentially, that's how the Christmas story begins. That at God's timing, after nearly 400 years, God speaks through an angel to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and to Mary, the mother of Jesus. God essentially speaks after nearly 400 years of silence, 400 years of the people of God waiting. And then he, he says, it's time. It has begun. The Messiah is coming. And everything is going to change. The world will never be the same. The Christmas story is all about waiting. In fact, we refer to this season as Advent. It's the Advent season. And the word Advent means coming. It, if something is coming, then it's not here yet. And so as a result, we're waiting for it. If it's coming, it's not here yet, so we have to wait for it. Advent means coming. It means there's, there's waiting involved with this. A, a key part of Christmas, part of the Advent journey, is this idea of hope. Hope is this central word to the Christmas story. And when you need hope, that means you're waiting for something. You need hope because it's not there yet. You're hoping for it to come and it's not there yet. A couple lines down in, in the song, O Holy Night, 
There's a line that says, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. It's It's all about hope. So, if you're sitting there, and there's some part of this waiting journey that resonated with you, if you are waiting for something, if you are desperately waiting for something this Christmas, welcome to the Christmas story. Welcome to Christmas. Now, the problem with that, the the tension, the difficulty with that, is that we assume waiting is the result of a problem. We think waiting is connected to something wrong. Somebody did something wrong. Somebody screwed up somewhere. Otherwise, I wouldn't have to wait. That if I'm stuck in traffic, if I'm waiting in traffic, somebody made a, a, a fender bender or slowed down too much or whatever, or even if, the, the, if there's not an accident, somebody poorly planned the city and, and arranged the roads and didn't have, make the roads wide enough. Somebody didn't do it. Somebody screwed up. As a result, I have to wait. That my waiting is a problem because of somebody else's mistake. Somebody was not prepared. Somebody was irresponsible. And so waiting is, is, is a problem. That we just got to get rid of all waiting. Because it's the result of somebody made a mistake. If people would just not make those mistakes, we wouldn't have to wait. What if waiting is not always the result of a problem? What if waiting in and of itself is a spiritual discipline? What if the waiting process is not the result of a problem or the result of God not doing what God's supposed to do, but instead, what if the waiting itself was part of the growth journey? Sometimes the biggest mistakes we make in life are the result of our impatience. Sometimes the biggest mistakes we make is because we want something now. I want that car now. Again, whether I can afford it or not. I want, to, I, want, I, want to, I want that relationship now. I want to get married now. I want that item now. I want to have sex now. It, it, and there are times, there are things in life where we do need to act quickly. And there's a window of time and where it's an opportunity. And so there are times when we need to jump in and, and we, we can't you know, bring patience into that. There's just a small window for us to jump in and do that. But more often in life, the decisions that we make, the big decisions, the things that create stress in our lives, etc., they would be better served with a little bit of waiting, with a little bit of patience. We're just taking a deep breath, doing some research, having some conversations with people that we trust. We use this phrase, sleep on it. It's a good phrase. You're in the midst of a big decision, a big purchase. Sleep on it. Pray about it. Just this week, I had uh, a purchase that I was making online. And I went through the whole process. I'd been thinking about this for, for uh, some time. And so this week, I found it, found it a, uh, the right price for it, understood how it was all going to work, got it all set up. Inputted my credit card information, uh, all the, the data, the temporary, you know, sign in as a guest. I'm going to buy this. I'm all ready to go. I got one click left. 
One click left. The whole thing comes down to one click. And I imagine, uh, when I'm working my, with my computer, I imagine that there's somebody in a warehouse somewhere who is, who is aware of my screen and aware of how close I am. They're just so excited because I'm about to press. I, that's, it's not all computers. There's a person. There's a person looking and waiting for me to make that click, and they're excited for me to do it. That's the way I imagine it. Let me have my own little world. Um, and so they're excited. I'm excited. I'm about to do the press for the click to purchase this item. And I, and I pause. I had been th- it wasn't just an impromptu buy. I had been thinking about it for a while. But I pause because I had a check in my spirit. You familiar with that phrase? Are you familiar with that feeling? With that just notion of, wait, 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 wait. It's easy. It's so easy to push click. But I just had this check in my spirit to think, I'm going to pause on it. I'm going to wait on this one. And then I... Uh, I uh, closed it all out and, you know, canceled my information there. And I gathered with my, with my wife that night, and we talked about it. And we just, we just talked. It wasn't that huge of a purchase. We just talked about it a little bit. And, and uh, we said, you know, that's probably not the right way to go. I, I probably don't need a life-size statue of Wayne Gretzky. I don't, I don't need it. It's a want. It's not a need. Okay. No, the story is real. The item is not. The, uh, the actual item what it was. But, but it's, that, it's that thing of sometimes in life, it's just we, we, we would benefit so much from just, just pausing, just pausing, just taking a break. For some reason, our journey with God requires waiting. For some reason, God has set up our relationship with him in a way that it, that it involves waiting. And we don't like that because waiting is unpleasant. Waiting is it creates anxiety. But the whole journey involves waiting. The kingdom of God is referred to as the now and the not yet. That there's an element of the kingdom that is now. We get to experience glimpses of glory. We get to experience many miracles that are a part of our journey. We get to, we get to see people interacting with one another and treating one another the way Jesus modeled for us to do. And it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. Those are glimpses of the kingdom, the now part of the kingdom. But there's also part of the kingdom that is not yet. We live in a world that is still broken. Jesus has not yet returned. And so there's part of the kingdom that is not yet. There's something that is part of the future picture of the story that we have not yet experienced. Similarly, our salvation is now and not yet. That there's an element of our salvation where we can say, I know that I am right with God through Jesus Christ. I have given my life to Christ. Jesus is my Lord. I know that I'm saved. I know that that happened. I know I'm saved now. I know that in 10 years, despite mistakes that I will make, I'm still saved and that I will be saved when I die. I get assurance of that. That's a beautiful thing. But there's an element, there's a part of my salvation that has not yet happened. That I still sin, I still screw up, I still make mistakes. Paul, in the book to the letter to the Philippians, he says that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're to work it out, to work on it. There is a now part of salvation, and there is a not yet part of salvation. That God's plan is that we need to wait for the fullness of his kingdom. We need to wait for the fullness of salvation. That's God's plan. 
And God's plan is never wrong. It's not wrong. So waiting is not always connected to something that is wrong. In fact, waiting sometimes, it, it, is, it leads to the most profound moments of life. It can lead to some of the most profound things in life. There's a book by Mark Batterson called Circle Maker. And it um, includes a, a quote from a guy named uh, 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 Gary Haugen, who is the who was a former attorney who became the CEO and founder of an organization called the International Justice Mission. This is the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. It's a Christian organization, and they go after freeing different kind of slavery throughout the world. Primarily what they go after are young women who are caught in sex trafficking in impoverished parts of the world. And this is a quote from uh, Gary Haugen. He's talking about one girl. He's telling the story about one of the girls that this organization has freed. And here are some of the details about that story. He says, It took 6,100 long and boring billable hours of filing and refiling paperwork, which, of course, the young girl couldn't pay a penny of. And who knows how many long and boring prayer circles were drawn around that brothel and around that girl. Praying like that is long and boring, but it is the price you pay for miracles. And no matter how long and boring it is, you can't put a price on a girl rescued from darkness and brought into the light. There's nothing boring about that, but very few of us are willing to love that long or pray that hard. What, what two words were repeated multiple times in there? Long and boring. Sometimes growth requires a long and boring wait. And we don't like that. Sometimes growth requires a long and boring wait. That's not the story that we want to tell. That's not, that's not what we want to share with our friends. That's not what we want to communicate at our class reunions. That's not what we want to say on Facebook is talk about our long and boring days. We don't like to read long and boring books. We don't like to watch long and boring movies unless they're directed by Clint Eastwood. For some reason, we keep watching those movies. But, but for the most part, we stay away from long and boring. It's just, it's just not something that we're interested in. We just don't sign up for long and boring, even though the growth that we're desiring sometimes requires a long and boring wait. If you want to experience freedom from an addiction, you have to endure a long and boring wait. You have to tackle one hour at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time, a long journey of allowing the, your brain chemistry to be realigned so that you in this journey with other people and with counseling and whatever the journey is with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that it is a long and boring journey of you transforming how you view situations, how you view things, how you view people. You have to hit the nail on the head over and over and over and over again. If you want to experience financial freedom, you have to endure a long and boring wait. It's not just a matter of making that one decision when you don't click the button and, and, and not buy something that you don't need. It's not one decision. 
It's decision after decision. It is day after day of saying, no, I can't do the short-term pleasure thing. I have to think long-term in terms of what we're doing with our finances so that we can transform this thing, so that we can get out of the hole that we're in. It is hitting the nail on the head over and over again, over again and over again. It's a long and boring journey. If you want to, men, if you want to have the woman of your dreams, if you want to have the marriage of your dreams, then you have to endure the long and boring journey of respecting all women. The long and boring wait of respecting every woman, not just the one that you're going after, but every woman, every body of every woman, every image of every body of every woman. Over and over again, over and over again, it's this long, committed journey. Sometimes growth, healing, freedom, they require a long and boring wait. It's a long and boring journey. That's why we're talking about this this week and not Christmas Eve. (laughs) I mean, this is a tougher message. This is a tougher message. Uh, One of the most uh, difficult and frustrating things for me when I'm waiting is, is if I'm waiting and I feel like there's no movement. If I'm waiting and I'm completely stuck, that's when I get, I, I enter into the despair journey. So you compare that to, to driving. You know, if you're, if you're stuck in traffic, if, if you're stuck in traffic so much that you actually can get out of the car, that's, that's the ultimate in frustration. And now, you know, we've got all our cell phones and we can find out what's going on and how long it is and we know what turns to take and all that. But back in the day, I mean, a few years back, you're just stuck there and I don't know, what do you think's going on? I don't know. You become best friends with all the people who are hanging out outside of the car and it's just so frustrating. You have no idea. I'm a math guy, so if I'm moving, as long as the wheels are turning, I can still recalculate how long it's going to take me to get there. As long as there's some movement, then I can say, okay, we're going three miles an hour. All right. At that pace, we did it. And if I do that for three miles, et cetera, et cetera. And so, so that we can still calculate. As long as you're still moving, if you're not moving at all, then, then waiting is just a waste of time. You understand that? Then waiting is just, you're not going anywhere. You can wait all you want. You're still not going anywhere. You're not moving anywhere. But as long as there's movement, just tiny, tiny steps, small movement, as long as there's movement, then the waiting is part of the solution. You're going somewhere. Keep moving. Just keep moving. In the, the, the incredibly beautiful book by C.S. Lewis, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, classic children's book about Aslan, the lion, who is the, the, an image of Jesus, and in that book, the first time that the four children hear the name Aslan is when they are in Narnia and a beaver says to them, this is the first time they hear the name Aslan, Aslan is on the move. That's, their first, that's the first time they hear, they hear his name. And it's this beautiful section in the book where then each child hears that name and has a different feeling and response to it. It's just absolutely awesome. C.S. Lewis is a genius but the first time they hear, they hear the name Aslan, it's the phrase, Aslan is on the move. Aslan, who represents Jesus, is on the move. Jesus is always on the move. Jesus is always on the move. When you feel stuck, when you feel in despair, when you feel like you've been waiting for a whole long time, Jesus is still on the move. 
you stay with Jesus, you keep moving. You might not move at the pace you want, but you keep moving. Remember that during the long and boring wait. Remember that during the despair of whatever you're waiting for this Christmas. That Jesus is on the move. He's not stagnant. Always on the move. You hang out with Jesus, we'll keep moving. We'll keep moving. I want to close uh, with you here today. And uh, we're going to sing that song, O Holy Night. Before we do that, I want to pray with you. Would you stand, would you stand with me? Let's pray and just invite the power of God into whatever we are waiting for to keep us moving. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are thankful for Christmas. It is a time to celebrate. It is a beautiful time. It is, it is, um, it is, uh, it is bright and happy. And, but God, this, this season is also a reminder of waiting, of the the anxiety, the unpleasant reality of waiting. That God, your story is is of a people who waited a long time for you to come for the advent of your son Jesus. And so God, many of us stand here in this room and we're waiting for something. We're waiting for results. We're waiting for healing. We're waiting for forgiveness from our own hearts. We're waiting for apology from somebody else. We're waiting for an opportunity for a reconciling relationship in a, in a key, in a key um, uh, person in our lives. Father, we're waiting for we're waiting for hope. Many of us here in this room, God, we're, we're waiting for freedom. We're waiting for release from something that has a hold of us. And God, in the midst of all that, we trust you. We trust you. We want to continue to be on the move because you are on the move. We remember that this season during the long and boring seasons of waiting. We trust you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.